So today is Wednesday, the 23rd of September, 2020. And we've all come together to practice and have the sincerity in the practice like we have in the past. Uh, to raise up and develop our hearts in order to seek out the Dhamma, and that which is of enormous benefit. The Buddhasasana has now spread uh, to many different places throughout America and Europe and Africa. And uh, it shows that there are many lay people who have uh, faith, faith in the Sangha and faith to practice. And they see the value of the Dhamma and see the benefits of the teachings of the fully awakened Buddha. And if we have sincerity in our practice, uh, like so many other people do, we have this effort, we have energy to train our minds, to bring them to peace, uh, then we'll be able to bring up the inner knowing, the one who knows within our minds. And this is the knowing element, that which receives or the sense impressions that we experience. And so this jit, the citta, the uh, mind, is that which uh, knows, this knowing element. But if we don't have samadhi, we don't have mindfulness, we don't have wisdom to look after this mind, this knowing, then it will become lost. It will get lost in the greed, hatred, and delusion, and these things will start to cover over our minds. And we'll end up by just following these defilements around. And we won't uh, see them. We won't see that these defilements really are defilements. We don't know that we're practicing through desire. In the beginning, that's what it's like. We, do, we don't see these things clearly. We just act upon them. We speak upon them. We follow all the emotions that we feel. And that's how it's been since we were born. But when we do come to gain an understanding of this, and we start seeing the danger of allowing our minds to run after every sense impression that it receives, that's when we realize also the importance of training our minds. Because we don't want to suffer. And even though we have this desire to not suffer, the causes for suffering are still there. And when the causes are there, the suffering will have to arise. But when we practice the Dhamma, we don't want to experience any stress. Though we still have attachment. We don't want to get angry. We don't want to have desire about different things. And we're just not able to suppress these things, though. Our mindfulness is too weak. There are all these thoughts going on. And sometimes there are good thoughts and we feel at ease, but there are also bad thoughts there as well, and we suffer. When we don't want for something that has arisen to be there, then this is vibhavadana, the not wanting to have or not wanting to be. And if there's something that we enjoy, oh sorry, if there is a wanting or a, a desire to have, this is bhavadana. If there's any 
becoming lost or deluded, uh, drunk upon pleasant sense impressions. This is kama tanha. So these three kinds of uh, craving, these are the causes uh, for vedana or feeling to come up. And then from feeling, then there's uh, attachment. And this goes on, flows on until we get distress and suffering. And so we come to train our minds and to teach our hearts. If we're attached to something, we tell them, this is not sure, it's inconstant, it's unstable. We teach our minds in this way. If our hearts are deluded, then we take this inner nature of knowing to teach our minds, to relieve them of their delusion. Because this ignorance of Icha is constantly trying to control our hearts, making them deluded, getting lost in me and mine, in various forms of conceit. So we have to uh, practice and to train our minds, train our minds to look at the mind. Whether we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, we're always cultivating these hearts of ours. And the reason that we engage in this cultivation is to bring our minds to peace. So as we practice, we also keep an eye on our minds, trying to develop uh, sati with them. If there's any uh, emotion there, then we know, is the mind in a good state or a bad state? Is it going and thinking about different things? And if our minds are peaceful to a certain degree, then we'll be able to have mindfulness over them. And any thoughts that are there will be uh, expelled from the mind. There'll be happiness and joy, the heart will feel full. We'll be able to come and look at our mind in a way that brings good results. But in the beginning, uh, the mind just carries on thinking. It proliferates without stop. And this shows that our sati, our mindfulness, is weak. There's delusion and avicca that are feeding these proliferations. So we just have to carry on watching, carry on taking care of the minds and forbearing with this, putting in constant effort. And when the mind is really in a chaotic state, there'll be lots of doubts and confusion. And the, mark, the mind is very dark, spinning about. We'll wonder, what do we do? How do we practice? Which is the right way to go? We won't be able to find the path. It's like we're lost in a cave and there's no light, or in a dark forest at night. Or maybe we're in a forest and it's during the day, but the forest is so thick that we can't even find the path. We don't know which way to go. And, uh, and that's what it's like when we're lost in doubts. But if there's someone who knows that forest very well, has been through it many times, then they'll be able to find the way out. So our minds are like this as well. If there's peace in the mind through, uh, or we use whatever method brings peace into our hearts, whether that's buddho, dhammo, sankho, having mindfulness over the heart, or co contemplating into the nature of emptiness, whatever works, we just use that. 
or if we are watching our breath, the important thing is to not force the breath. Because if we're forcing it, then that comes through craving in this practice. So in the beginning, though, we practice through craving, and that produces uh, the mind, uh, that produces doubts and uh, aggravates the mind, disturbs it. There's no peace. It's constantly going out and becoming scattered all over the place. And whether we're sitting or we're walking, uh, there's all this um, chaos going on. So we can meditate for many hours doing that. And even though we have a lot of effort, we don't get results. But that's just what we need to do initially. If we're walking meditation and the mind is thinking a lot, it's not stopping, then we can uh, pause on the path and uh, place our mindfulness uh, from the bottom of our feet up to the top of the head and then down again to the soles of the feet. And then we take three deep breaths, re-establish our mindfulness and walk again, trying to keep the mind on just one object. If we've studied the scriptures a lot, we've heard many teachings, we try to put those down for now. Um, because we study about this practice and we want the mind to be peaceful. But the wisdom that comes from memory, that comes from reading, is not able to defeat delusion. What we need is the wisdom that arises from peace. And that is able to destroy ignorance. So cultivating samadhi then is very important. So we have initially uh, sila, morality, taking care and uh, composing our bodies and speech. And then when uh, we practice in this way, having a sense of composure, we can look at our minds and see that they just naturally get involved in liking and disliking. But we keep an eye on it, we follow it up. No matter if it's going off one way or another way, we just look at what's happening in the mind. Whether it's shaking a lot or just shaking a little bit, we're aware of what's happening. So in the beginning, we need to have mindfulness there. We need to try and bring it up very quickly. For myself, when I was uh, a monk, when I'd been a monk for four years, uh, I, all it would take was just um, bringing mindfulness to my heart and it would drop into a state of peace. Both my mind and my body felt very buoyant and there was a great pervading sense of ease that would last all day. But the year before that, uh, there was a coolness that constantly infused my mind. And in the cold season, it got very cold. Um, but during the hot season, it was quite pleasant. There was always a sense of coolness. My mind was gathered together in samadhi during this time. But when I reached four years as a monk, uh, the mind gathered together, collected in a way that was incredible. I would bring mindfulness to the breath and uh, the heart would drop into peace. There was uh, buoyancy in the mind and in the body. 
And I was able to do this. But before, it was difficult. So it would take me an hour or 30 minutes of sitting in meditation before my body and my mind felt light. But this slowly got quicker and quicker until eventually I would just have to place my mindfulness for a moment and there would be peace. The mind would rush into samadhi. So I was very happy with this development and I thought that the samadhi would stay with me forever because it was there for many months. I would try to contemplate the body but my mind just wouldn't go there. It was just so full of peace. So I thought that all it would take would be to look at the mind and that's how I could uh, develop in the practice. But I wasn't seeing the kilesas that were there, the kilesas that were hidden deeply, rooted in a sense of self, and uh, still finding joy in many different things. There was this delusion, a delusion in knowing, and the knowing came from delusion. And so the great teachers, they say, to contemplate the body and I listened to this. I listened to Lumpur Cha tell me this. And my heart only believed it 50%. But as I practiced, I realized that it was the right thing to do. That samadhi became constant. And I was able to contemplate frequently. But after a while, this uh, stable samadhi degenerated. And uh, I was upset by this. And I started blaming all the things around me, saying that there was too much work, there wasn't enough time to practice. But really it was just that uh, the samadhi had reached a state of fullness. And so after that it had to naturally decline. And all of the moods that I had before came back. My mind would go off into liking and disliking, just like it did before. And I felt like someone who had never meditated. But I knew I was in a better state than I was uh, when I first came to meditation because I knew what methods to use to bring my mind to peace. So I contemplate death a lot, telling myself that life is uncertain, but death is certain. Death is the culmination of this life and I'll have to die for sure. And I'd repeat my, this to myself over and over again until peace arose and there was a renewed sense of buoyancy in the heart and mind and body. When my mind uh, came out of samadhi, the sense impressions would pierce the heart again, but I would watch them and look out. I'd pull my mind back to the center whenever it would start to follow these sense impressions. I went to the morning chanting and evening chanting without fail, carried on steadily cultivating and developing my mind level by level. And the peace came back again. And I was able to uh, regain a confidence in this practice. And then meditation became smoother than it was before. The samadhi reached a higher level than it had before. In the beginning, there were so many doubts about the path of practice. Well, in the beginning, it's normal for us to have many doubts about the path of practice, but we shouldn't be concerned over that because this is just something that's natural. 
Lumpur Chao would teach us to just look at these doubts arise and cease. But we can even start to wonder about that. Wonder that if I don't question or if I don't doubt anything, then how am I going to know? And this is how doubts can just uh, cover over each other. They can form layers upon each other. So even though we have doubts, we just carry on practicing. And this is the benefit of being close to a great teacher, is they can encourage us in this way. And just like Lumpur Cha taught me, that uh, even though there are lots of doubts, carry on going and you'll get there all the same. And we really can do it. This is the benefit of staying with a Krubhajan. We gain this confidence uh, from their presence. Because if we try and do it by ourselves, then it's easy for our minds to just get lost. We need a guide to take us along the correct path. When there's peace in the mind, then wisdom will develop and our hearts will be relieved of doubts. In the beginning, we can doubt everything. We doubt that or question that contemplating uh, the recollection of the Buddha, of the Dharma, of the Sangha, or contemplating recollecting uh, death, that all we're able to get from that is Upajara Samadhi. And what I wanted uh, was for the mind to become one-pointed in Apana Samadhi, in access concentration. So I was confused as to what method uh, to use to get there. But really what it's like, um, is like when we study at school and we finish high school. When we've done that, then we can go to university, uh, wherever. Then when we get our bachelor degree, we can um, go to whatever university to get our master's degree. It doesn't, we're not constricted as to where we go. So it's the same with samadhi. Once we get uh, upajara samadhi, and we have that as our foundation, um, then we can use that in any method of practice. Whether we're walking or we're sitting, um, we're able to maintain this level of peace and collectedness of the heart, able to contemplate into the body. In the beginning, we may want for a nimitta or a mental vision to arise about the body. But it's often that this just doesn't come up initially. And for some people, they just don't need to have that. But when the mind is at peace and contemplating the body, then we do see into the nature of the body with clarity. And for some people, this happens as a vision. We're able to pull off the skin and to see the bones underneath. And when the mind really gathers together, we'll see there's no self there at all. So when the path of sila, samadhi, and panya comes together, um, is in a state of harmony, and we'll see into the truth. And then when we contemplate into the body, it can actually become quite fun. We see these forms as just being a bag of feces or of urine or of pus, of blood. And then we can look at all these different things break apart. We take out one part of the body that before we delighted in and we break that up 
we see that it's not beautiful. And here, limiters can arise. The things that we once had attached to, um, and this attachment has been embedded in our heart for such a long time, eventually we'll be able to see the truth of it through our contemplation. We'll use our contemplation to defeat these attachments. And our mind develops in stages till eventually there's great peace and joy um, in the heart. And when there is this happiness, then um, we can contemplate with great clarity. Our minds become still and empty. They clear out. And this is all uh, an issue, or this is all about samadhi developing into wisdom. At the start of the practice, it's not easy. What we need initially is faith. Faith to keep going without stop. When I look back on my own practice, I see that I was just like this, just like all of us who are beginning to practice. Whether we've ordained for just one range retreat, or maybe five uh, reigns as a monk, we carry on doing it without stop. And our hearts will um, grow to higher levels because what we're after is the highest, is this Buddha in our hearts, the nature of awakening that's there in our hearts. If we practice, it won't be long till we get there. We can get to this nature of awakening. We can um, allow or practice so that the inner knowing arises in the mind. So may you all have effort and sincerity, whether monks or the lay people. And for lay people, just carry on doing it without stop as well, and you can get there. For the monks, we need to train ourselves and be sincere in our training. And at the end, we all see the Dhamma. We'll be able to abandon the defilements and stages. So please set your heart on this practice. <laughs>